You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the new year. My goodness, Ethan, it's 2018 already. Can you believe it? Time flies. I know. I mean, for some reason, it, it still kind of feels like 2017 to me, but, you know, I think that's just new year. I think they just call that new year jitters or something. I think, what? I think that's the term I've heard. What? No. But anyway, uh, this is episode 142 of The Wrestling Life. Thanks for listening on SoundCloud and on iTunes. I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And this is our look back, and perhaps that's why it still feels like 2017 to us, because we're going to be spending uh, the next little bit here just looking back at all of the the best things in professional wrestling uh, in 2017. So it's a look back. That must be that must be it. As as we sit here in in 2018, um, exactly. But uh, yes, yeah, so we're just going to kind of go category by category. I've been doing polls on our. And of course, a few weeks ago, as we sit here in 2018, um, thank you everybody for voting. And we're just going to kind of go through the categories and uh, talk about our picks, your picks, and uh, and everything in between. But start off with the the first poll I put up: uh, best male wrestler of 2017. Lots of people you can pick there. Uh, the fans, uh, our our lovely listener on Twitter picked Kenny Omega uh, as the overwhelming favorite for best male performer of 2017. Uh, tough to argue with. Some of the other choices were Kazuchika Okada, Roman Reigns, Johnny Gargano, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Tetsuya Naito, Cody, who I just want to mention, Cody got no votes in his poll. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cody's gimmick, but I guess it was officially a best wrestler, not a best, you know talker guy so but yes uh best according to the listener and to our twitter friends best wrestler of the year kenny omega for 2017 would you agree with that wrong fake news uh i think it's okada or, or, or will osprey like will osprey is athletically the best wrestler in the world and Okada probably had more good matches in 2017 with a more with a wider variety of people than Omega did. Now, some of those matches were with Omega, but Okada, like, I don't know, as the champion of the number two promotion in the world, I think is a better wrestler than Kenny Omega. But that's, I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit. I feel like it's a matter of taste. What do you think? Sure. Um, I did, there was one other poll, I believe. I put Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay in one of the best male wrestler polls as well. So, I did give a shout out uh, to Osprey and, and a few others, but yeah, I mean, as far as and it's again best, it's it's obviously very subjective. Maybe maybe a better phrasing would be like your favorite uh, professional wrestler. I, uh, I, yeah, I think Okada is. I uh, thanks to Access TV this year, I've seen I think pretty much every big time uh, Okada main event. I saw him have good matches with Bad Luck Fale and Cody Rhodes. And I saw him have great matches with, uh, or at least good matches. And I, then I saw him have you know great matches with uh, 
you know, he wrestled Tanahashi in the G1. He wrestled Omega three times. He wrestled Shibata. Um, so just tons of tons of incredible performances with, with as you mentioned, a very wide variety of uh, of opponents. And yeah, I, I mean, Osprey. I do want to say I watched Will Osprey. Uh, what culture before they sort of rebranded and changed did a tournament called, I think it was like the pro wrestling world cup or something where Will Ospreay wrestle. I saw him wrestle Ricochet, Rey Mysterio and Kushida. I think were the three matches I watched that he had in that tournament. I'm just watching this guy going, man, there's nobody for his style of wrestling. As far as Osprey goes, nobody is smoother. Nobody. He never messes up. Like it's amazing as athletic and crazy as his matches are, everything he does looks smooth. Isn't it's it's amazing. Yeah, he's incredible. He really is. Yeah, so uh, I mean if, so if you want to say the most outstanding or the most athletically gifted wrestler, I think I think it's Osprey, but uh, I'm kind of with you on the Okada front as well. Uh coming to a category that I'm sure Ethan won't really care about talking about, uh best female wrestler of the year. What? have several categories again several polls for the same category uh the first poll had oscar sasha banks alexa bliss and charlotte oscar came up came up late in the game on this poll and just surpassed alexa bliss as our listener choice for <sighs> female performer of the year some of the other nominated were tony storm Kyrie sane nikki cross piper niven bailey ember moon and a few others but our listener choice is Asuka for Female Performer of the Year. Ethan, your thoughts? Did the listener get it right? And of course, it's all <laughs> subjective, but let's let's act like it's not and say right or wrong. Uh, I I don't know. I don't necessarily have a big problem with that. I mean, Kyrie Sane's incredible. She can probably athletically do some things that Asuka can't do, but Asuka is uh, Asuka's really good. She she brings an authenticity and a realness to her work that. I feel like very few other people do. And getting to see some Tony Storm this year, or sorry, in 2017, in the May Young Classic, <laughs> and just seeing clips of some of her stuff on YouTube, I don't know how she's going to um, have a long career doing as many German suplexes and taking as much uh, pounding on her neck as she does, but Tony Storm is really good. And unless WWE lowballed her or something i don't know why she isn't under contract she's really really good and i don't she has the look the vince mcmahon likes <laughs> meaning she's white and blonde like I, I don't i mean she does have a little bit of an accent i guess but i i don't know uh she's she's also young um so perhaps she either isn't interested or perhaps they they've had some mixed results with bringing in wrestlers who are you know, 21 or a little bit younger. Um, not going to get any more specific than that. But <laughs> what's going uh, on? <laughs> uh, but yes, Tony, she she's young and she's very talented. So I have no doubt that that she is definitely on their radar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Oscar's a good a good enough choice. Uh, Alexa cut some really good promos. Charlotte had some good matches. You know, Sasha Bailey had some really cool feel good moments despite their booking of her before they killed her. <laughs> They, uh, they, they, they had some cool moments. There's some cool stuff in women's wrestling. I was thinking, though, there aren't a lot of great, and we'll get to that perhaps when we talk about. Them. I can't think of a lot of great, uh, you know, matches that I can remember from from the women's side this year in WWE. Or NXT, there are a few, but 
as far as moments go, we got some cool moments. We got to see, you know, Bailey retain her title at WrestleMania, Sasha winning the belt at SummerSlam. We got, we got some, uh, some cool stuff. We kind of saw Alexa Bliss become kind of the unquestioned, you know, top female performer for better or worse in, in WWE this year. Um, it's been, yep. it's, it's been I, something. I, I agree with you though, that like in ring this year, this was not the best and WWE is the only promotion that's really doing women's wrestling um, on a, on a big stage with a, on, on a big platform where a lot of people see it. So, and, and in ring this year, it was just, it was a lot of the same uh, competitors wrestling each other and not particularly getting a lot of time. And when you have Alexa on top on raw and Charlotte was not really positioned, it was not, <clears throat> excuse me. Charlotte was not really a champion for the entire year over on SmackDown. And, you know, they kind of did some, some different things and a lot of multi-person matches over on SmackDown. And there's just not going to be Alexa. Alexa's better at playing her character than almost anyone, but she's just not, she's just not a great worker. I mean, she, she has improved a lot and she, she can do some things very well, but she's just not, she's not, a really good wrestler. And so that kind of limited the, the, uh, the in-ring quality this year. I'd agree with that. I think that's a fair assessment, but yeah, I think, I think we can kind of pretty much agree. Oscar's a solid choice for, uh, for best female performer, but, uh, so here we go. Moving on to the third category. That would of course be the best tag teams of 2017. A lot of them I kind of included. You can include factions in here if you want. Uh, obviously, the Adam Cole and crew kind of making a big impact in the later year in, in NXT. Sanity had a lot of great matches. We got to see some some pretty darn good Sanity matches uh, at some NXT house shows this year. But I'm talking because I can't find that poll. Um, here it is. Dave Meltzer. Um so best best tag team or faction of 2017 is the is our third category here. Some of the nominees would include Sheamus and Cesaro, the Hardys, War Machine, the Young Bucks, uh, the Usos, the New Day, Sanity, uh, Bullet Club, Gargano and Ciampa, Jericho and Kevin Owens. A lot a lot of uh, some good tag team stuff this year. The listener choice is perhaps not surprisingly the Young Bucks as tag team of the year. Uh, right or wrong, Ethan. Right or wrong, Young Bucks best tag team of 2017. I can't argue. They're good. They're really good, and they're really over. War Machine's really good too. There's a lot of good choices there. Usos had a really good year. They won me over. I didn't like their promos when they first turned heel, but they they won me over. The Usos are really good, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue with uh, with the listener on the choice of the Young Bucks. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue. And again, you know, we uh, we talked about on on that final show we did way back in 2017. I mean, the Young Bucks are are really personalities now. It's not just the 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 flips and stuff. They do kind of you know they have their YouTube show. They do kind of crazy you know crazy storylines, and they're very much the them along with with Cody and 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 the rest of the Bullet Club are very much. Uh, you know the focal points of Ring of Honor television, of of uh, of New Japan to a certain extent as well, and they they very much have uh, you know they've done an incredible job uh, as far as just becoming personalities in the business for 
for guys who, you know, a big complaint about them is generally that they, all they do is flip. Um, they've, they managed to uh, become really big personalities in the world of wrestling. So yeah, I think, I think the young bucks are a solid choice. Uh, mini category in between our main ones here, 3.5, the best tag team breakup of 2017. There were a lot of these. 2017 was the year that friendship died in professional <laughs> wrestling. Uh, so we had, we had four nominees. We had Enzo and Big Cass, Gargano and Ciampa, Adam Cole and the Bullet Club, and Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. I think I know it was the best. The listeners picked Gargano and Ciampa. And I don't, I don't know if there's such a thing as a wrong opinion, but comparing anything anybody did in 2017 to the breakup angle and subsequent feud of Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho feels wrong to me. The breakup angle, uh, the festival of friendship, I think was the best thing on Raw all year. So uh, that and Bill, that and Bill Goldberg's farewell uh, speech. Uh, promo were the best things on Raw this year, uh, or in 2017. So, uh, I the matches between Owens and Jericho. I mean, Jericho just can't go at a at a main event WWE style level anymore. So, um, and we never got the Gargano Ciampa matches because Ciampa blew his knee out. Um, yeah. So, eh. I don't know. Like as a stand, ugh. that Gargano Champa thing was really good, though. It was really oh, good. Absolutely. absolutely, it was. It was very well done. Um, but to me, and yes, as you mentioned, the in ring of Jericho and Owens was very good. But even after that initial angle, Jericho cut some really good promos where he uh, talked about they had the picture of like the fifteen year old Kevin Owens standing in his bedroom with his Y two J shirt on. And and they really kind of made uh, you know Jericho was able to flip the switch from you know the comedy buffoon that he had been playing for the previous six months to kind of become the the badass legendary Y two J character again. Um, so again, yeah, you're you're right in that the matches uh, probably didn't didn't blow anybody out of the water, but man, I, that that festival of friendship uh, segment is is way up there on my list of favorite segments ever in professional wrestling and. So, I gotta give it. I gotta give it to uh, to Jericho and Owens here. But just thought that was a, a fun little aside for yes, twenty seventeen, the year that friendship wrestling. Moving right along, we're gonna go to all right. So the best major show next category: the best major show, meaning pay per view, network special, whatever you want to call it. Uh, several different events here, but we had some that I put up were, of course, Wrestle Kingdom 11, uh, back on January 4th of 2017, just just over a year ago now. And uh, as well as No Mercy, the TakeOver show from Chicago, which, of course, had the, the Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate match, as well as the Authors of Pain DIY ladder match. And uh, I believe the last show I put up there was the ROH 15th anniversary show, which... I, on an impulse, bought because I wanted to see Christopher Daniels win the ROH Heavyweight Championship, and I got to see that. So that show held a pretty special place in my heart. But the listener pick by, again, by wide margin, New Japan doing pretty well in these polls, Wrestle Kingdom 11 was the pick for the best major show of 2017 by our listener. Is there one that stands out for you above that? 
is there an NXT show that I didn't mention that comes up in your mind? Uh, it's TakeOver Chicago for me. It had that ladder match and the uh, the the Pete Dunne uh, match on Tyler Bate match on it as well. Uh, that see, I didn't watch all of Wrestle Kingdom. I watched individual matches from Wrestle Kingdom, so I didn't watch the entire show as a whole. So I uh, I'm going with uh, the Takeover Chicago because I saw I actually saw that whole show, and I don't think I enjoyed any other show as much all year. Yeah, that show was incredible. Even, I mean, the undercard of that show, they had the Atami and Rude NXT title match, which was real good. It wasn't it wasn't great compared to some of the other stuff you got on that show, but that was very good. I believe it had, uh, and I think whatever the women's match, I think that was the, maybe the, the triple threat women's match with Cross and Ruby Riot and Asuka. That was uh, pretty good. I think so. so. Yeah, really uh, that yeah, that Chicago takeover I think is is probably my pick as well as far as just a single show. As you mentioned, I've I've seen the top matches from a lot of the New Japan shows this year. As I mentioned, thanks to uh, Access TV. But uh, uh, yeah, Takeover Chicago. I do have a very special place in my heart for that ROH 15th anniversary show. Um, I love that Adam Cole Christopher Daniels match. Jay Lethal and Bobby Fish also had a great match on that show. Young Bucks and the Hardys and Rapongi Vice had a crazy ladder match three-way street fight thing and uh, just a lot of a lot of really fun wrestling marty skrull and leo rush had a had a great match on that show so my pick perhaps for sentimental and because i bought the show to get the happy ending of christopher daniels winning that world title i think uh, my pick is probably the roh 15th anniversary show all right so i only have a couple left here uh best non-in-ring slash best promo performances of 2017. This one was weird because I don't feel like we got a ton of great promos this year. Uh, listener pick is Chris Jericho. Some other nominees would be Sami Zayn, who I think everybody's really enjoyed for, the last, for or I should say they did enjoy him for the last few months of 2017 as we sit here in 2018. Uh as well as uh, I put EC3 up there just because, hey, Impact should get one nomination, I guess. Should they? And uh, as well, I don't know. I like EC3. He's, he's, a, he's, an old, he's an old Twitter friend of mine. And uh, also put Zelina Vega up there, who I think probably should win this just based on what she did do for Andrade Almas' career. Um, that's who I voted. That's, fa- that's who I voted for, and that's why I voted for her. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you believe that's what a matter, I mean, her role in NXT and in WWE is simply to be a mouthpiece. And she took a guy who people were asking, why did they even hire this guy? Why? I mean, and obviously he was a big star in Mexico, but he was under the mask. People ask, you know, why'd they take his mask off? Why did they do all this stuff that he had kind of been floundering? He had kind of seemed to replace Ty Dillinger as the guy who works with the guys who you want to be something special. Yeah. But they, they put her with him, and all of a sudden, his stock rose very quickly. Enough to where, obviously, I mean, Triple H liked that act so much that he put the title on him. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I love Chris Jericho. He did some great stuff this year, even uh, last year, even uh, even near the end of the year and some of the stuff he did with Kenny Omega. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think as far as the promos that most helped or, or that helped gain interest in a wrestler. I don't know that anybody did a better job than Zelina Vega. Agreed. Best weekly television show. Uh, 
not a lot of uh, votes for this one, but uh, I put up SmackDown, ROH's weekly show, NXT, and I uh, put GFW slash TNA slash Impact, because I don't know what they're called at this point. But, uh, which I should mention again, TNA got zero votes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, SmackDown won for best weekly show of the year. I don't think that's right. I think NXT was a pretty darn good show for most of the year. And SmackDown was not. Um, actually, I think Raw was probably better than SmackDown 2017, if you had to put a gun to my head on it. But Maybe the first... Um, SmackDown may have been better the first half of the year. And I think just people don't get to watch NXT. Like, I don't get to watch NXT. There's only so many hours of a day, and we're, I'm usually either recording or editing this show on Wednesday nights. And, you know... I have a wife and a dog and uh, hobbies and like there's there's work work and there's just not there's not enough time to watch more wrestling quite often after I've spent three hours on Monday and usually two hours on Tuesday. But I think SmackDown was good for the like the first half of this year, and then it became the Shane McMahon show and no bueno. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, bueno. I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to go back into uh, my dislike for, for Shane McMahon. Uh, at least not yet. I'm sure there'll be more of that in the year to come. But uh, yeah, I think I think I would pick NXT, some of the great matches, especially in the second half of the year that they had. Uh, once Johnny Gargano uh, was, was a regular wrestling character on the show, it, uh, it became very good. Uh, right towards the end of the year, he had a great match with Cassius Ono. He had a great match with uh, Andrade Almas and uh, and several others. So, well, I like to uh, just, I like to, sorry. I just like to throw in. I I saw maybe twelve or fifteen episodes of Ring of Honor. I get to see it every so often. It's always a good time. Like there's not never anything bad on the Ring of Honor weekly shows. It's usually pretty good stuff. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, again, that kind of speaks to sort of all the options you have. Um, <laughs> As much as, and we, we almost kind of bring it up as a joke that we watch, you know, we watch these three hour raws because because we've been so conditioned or because we have such a sweet spot for WWE in our hearts. But if you're just looking for, you know, a simple, easy to watch wrestling show, yeah, ROH is good every week, NXT is good. Um, yeah, there's there's options out there, but uh, yeah, I thought a pretty a pretty, uh, yeah, I, I would I would give it to NXT, but. Uh, if if you like SmackDown again, a show that regularly has AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura on it, I can't blame you for liking that show. So that's that's all right too. But uh, all right, so I think we're we're getting close here. Uh, best wrestling match of the year. Uh, any categories that you would add, Ethan, that maybe I didn't think of before we get to the main event here? I think you have. Uh, I think you've covered the bases quite well. Well, that's that's good to know. I'm uh, I'm an excellent base coverer. What? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so yes, we have best best wrestling match of 2017. Our final category here. Uh, probably have an idea of uh, what what people uh, voted for here, but I'll I'll go through some of the options I threw out. Uh, John Cena versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. There was Kenny Omega versus uh, a lot of these. There's a lot of series of matches, so I just kind of put any in parentheses for a lot of these matches. Uh, you know, any of the Okada and Omega matches, uh, any of the 
Shield versus The Bar or New Day versus Uso matches. Uh, some of the more specific ones I put up, I put, you know, Pete Dunn versus uh, Tyler Bate from the XT Takeover show we talked about in Chicago. Uh, several, there were several Hardys versus Young Bucks matches. So a lot of, a lot of really good wrestling, uh, several different Okada matches that were incredible. Uh, Kenny Omega and, and uh, a Shee for the U S title on the, on the shows from Long Beach. A lot of, you know, just a stupid amount of great wrestling. And as we don't watch, uh, we don't get to watch or have the time to watch things like Evolve or PWG, who for some reason still, their business model is still putting out DVDs instead of streaming their stuff for some reason. Um, that's, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, so much great wrestling, much more than any, any single person could seemingly watch in a year. But uh, so the listener pick was, in fact, John Cena versus AJ Styles for from the Royal Rumble for the WWE title. Uh, right or wrong call in this opinion based uh, topic. Do you think? <laughs> I went Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate um, from that takeover in Chicago. Like if you voted for AJ and Cena, I'm not, I can't argue with you. If you voted for any of the Omega Okada matches, I can't argue with you. Although usually I was watching those matches kind of how I watched uh, the Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, Hell in a Cell match with just like an overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear that (laughs) that someone was going to get badly hurt. That's kind of how I felt during the Omega Okada matches quite often. Uh, So I went with the, the, um, the bait and done match at the takeover just because that's the most fun I had watching wrestling all year, I think. That's fair. So uh, that's that's what I went. That's what I went with. Would you? Would you? Why would you pick? I would pick. Uh, despite what you just said, I would pick the probably the second Omega and Okada match, the hour long draw they did. Uh, I have seen very few hour long matches in my life that at the end I thought, you know what, that it's good that that match went an hour. <laughs> There's very few. Uh, you know, the Bret and Shawn Iron Man match. I love Bret Hart. I love Shawn Michaels that match did not need to go an hour and would have been significantly better if it had gone 20 minutes. Uh, the Cena and Orton Iron Man match, pretty good match, but definitely didn't need to go an hour. Uh, they did uh, like a year or two ago, they did the Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe match on NXT television that went an hour. Um, that definitely didn't need to go an hour. Uh, so, but this one, the pace that those two guys cut for this hour-long draw between Okada and Omega was just incredible. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen as far as just athleticism in this fake athletic sport. Um, it, was, it was incredible. And the pace, they, were, they kept up an incredible pace. The, the tell, they tell a very great story. Everyone, everyone likes to talk about telling stories. The whole story is that Omega is trying and just cannot for the life of him, hit his one-winged angel finisher, and he finally hits it right towards the end of the match, but he can't get the cover, and then Okada hits the Rainmaker and has the pin, but then time expires. It's it's just beautiful. And again, I don't recommend that anybody else ever try to have a 60-minute match again. (laughs) (laughs) As, as As we have talked about a few years ago, you watch Roderick Strong and Jay Lethal have an hour long match that I believe you said was your least favorite match of uh, of 2015 was it yeah that's but, right uh, but uh, so yeah 
in in principle there are uh, don't ever wrestle for an hour guys but but uh, as the exception to the rule i thought that second omega and okada match was my favorite match of the year just because it was such an impressive feat as far as athletically as far as the story told uh, that was incredible just an incredible job by those guys good job good job by you <laughs> thanks pal uh so yeah that's that about wraps up our our sort of year in review show here uh thanks again to everybody for voting in the polls again just just a reminder i like to throw out uh everything in wrestling is subjective and i encourage you to talk about why you like or in fact didn't like things it's okay to talk about that and you should talk about it discuss it with other people perhaps that don't share your point of view but don't don't be the guy who says, oh, you just didn't like it because you don't get it. Like, uh, like most reviewers of the new Star Wars movie did. Uh, don't, you know, don't, uh, no, I understand, you know, you're allowed to dislike things. You're allowed to like them a lot. You're allowed to be a fan of both the Young Bucks and of, you know, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Like, you can be a fan of both. It's okay. Or you can be a fan of neither. And it's okay to talk about why you don't like it. But just don't spend all your time trying to convince somebody else that their opinions are wrong, right? Like, I've never tried to convince you that Sasha Banks should be your favorite wrestler, right? Correct. It would be funny if you did, and that's probably a segment we should do sometime this year. <laughs> but, uh, but no, at, at, at present times, you have never tried to convince me that uh, something that I... Not that I dislike Sasha Banks in any way, but... Hmm, well... Um, <laughs> But no, but no. Uh, and in the same way, I would never, you know, years ago, we, we used to have debates over whether, you know, and we talked about that on, you know, wow, a couple months ago now on the, on the Thanksgiving Spectacular about, uh, about, you know, I had a, I was a very big Zack Ryder fan and you weren't much of a fan. So, uh, you know, that, that I, I don't think I ever tried to like really convince you. I mean, we, we would kind of have fun going back and forth about it, but yeah, it's okay to like stuff. And it's okay to explain why you like that thing or, in fact, dislike something. But, yeah, if somebody, else doesn't, if somebody else doesn't like what you like, it doesn't devalue your opinion. It, doesn't oh. ma- it shouldn't devalue how you feel about your favorites or your least favorites, for that matter. And, and further complicating this, your point, which I agree with, by the way, but further complicating matters is that we have most of our discussions now <laughs> – online and quite often in a forum where there's a character limit. <laughs> so yes, it's like, first of all, I, and I don't have my opinion changed by uh, other people arguing with me very much. It's usually reading and things that I do on my own and life experiences of my own that, that foster changes in my opinions. <laughs> yes. And it's especially not reading like, an angry tweet or something, or, you know, I don't know. Twitter's awesome. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trash talking Twitter. Twitter's awesome, but it's just like <laughs> further, further complicated to your point, further complicating this issue is that a lot of debates and stuff are happening online and in places with a character limit now. And it's like, absolutely. You, you can't do nuance in 280 characters. That absolutely. So I just, I just want to say it's okay to like things, to dislike things, and to, in fact, disagree with other people who hold the opposite opinion that you have. Absolutely, have a dialogue about it. But just, you know, don't take, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally that I don't like something that you like. Don't feel like you have to, 
berate my opinion or in fact and i shouldn't feel like i have to break and i get it because you know i like i like all of the dc movies like i like batman versus superman a lot and to a certain extent when a lot of people hate the thing you like there's an inherent desire to try to discredit them or to prove that your you know your opinion is the best opinion as silly as that sounds i get it sometimes you you don't want to feel attacked or feel or be made fun of for liking something that you like or for disliking something that a lot of other people like. I get it. It's really easy to fall into that trap. But as we sit here to talk about the positives of professional wrestling from last year, the best things, I just want to say it's okay for you to think that the best thing, the best thing that to you wasn't the best thing to somebody else. It's okay. That's, 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 that's our message here. I think as we kick off 2018, just, don't take it personally and like what you like. Is that is that a fair assessment? Indeed. Indeed it is. All right. Well, then let's let's get out of here. We'll we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for following on TWL underscore podcast. And until next time, I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. So Marvin Lewis, <laughs> that like the couple hates each other, but they won't get divorced. <laughs> it feels like it feels like any sitcom. Like I'm sure, like Friends and Seinfeld and a million other shows have done the bit where like, like the the one of the main characters has the girlfriend that everybody hates, and he starts to hate her, and like you gotta break up with her, you gotta break up with her, and he's finally gonna go do it, and right before he can get the words out of his mouth. The girl's like, this isn't working out. I'm leaving. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I was, I was listening and there's like a weird thing, I guess, because like Marvin's a nice guy. Uh-huh. So, cause like Scott Garceau was talking about him on uh, you know, local sports talk radio today. And it's like, you know, he's a good guy and he, he brought a certain culture of winning. It's like, 
He brought a culture of like nine and seven and losing in the wild card round every year. I mean, I guess that's I guess that's better than the Browns. But like, is playing one more game every year really? You, know, you play seventeen games instead of sixteen games every year, or you know, once every three years. Is that is that that much better than just being a perpetual loser? I mean, we have been so spoiled by having an NFL team that you know, up until the last three or four years. I mean, I think they've still been in the playoffs more years than they haven't in their history. And it's just like, we've been so spoiled sure. by having like a team with that has had the same infrastructure for the entire time it's been here. Yeah. <laughs> for 22, for 21 years or whatever, it's the same front office. I mean, you know, pieces here and there have changed, but it's essentially, it's the same GM there've been two owners. <laughs> yeah. You know, three coaches. Like it's and I mean, you know, Cincinnati did have the one they've had the same owner and it's the one coach <laughs> that we're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, no a lot of teams don't win. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Hugh Jackson is the Browns coach. I guess is the guy who's getting talked about it as taking that job next mm-hmm. even though he's not still <laughs> and it's like, you know, he was the quarterback coach here for a year or two with with Joe and like you know ha- had some success and that got him the Oakland Raiders job and and uh you know apparently he's very high, highly respected and Joe had some of his better years here with Hugh as his QB coach but I would just keep, I was just thinking it's like what <laughs> what would be the most Bengals thing they could do and I'd be like yes it would be to hire Hugh Jackson <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then he'll be there for 20, 29 years. <laughs> it's, it'll be, it'll, I look forward to the next 33 years of, of Bengals coachdom <laughs> with, with zero playoff wins and like three divisional titles. And look, the Browns, <laughs> they're blowing it up again. <laughs> it's like they haven't right. fired the coach yet, but they're blowing up their front office again as they've done. I guess every two years under his owner of it's on the team for six years. <laughs> He's blowing it up for the third time now, but it's like, this might actually be the one time that it deserves to get blown up there. It's like, when do you draft like in the top one to three picks right. <laughs> every, every year? You'd think by accident you would find like a real superstar. Right. Or like, you know, you get, you, the the first round picks are, are based you're then under, under team control uh, for five years in the NFL and it's six years before free agency in baseball it's basically five years in the NFL and it's like so mm-hmm. so, so five years you can't you have a, you should have a team full of first round picks that somewhere in a <laughs> in a five year window you should be able to put it all together at some point in a five year stretch and they, they just <laughs> They're going to go like one in 31 this year and last year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, man. It, well, it's just because, I mean, the Steelers and the Ravens, as you mentioned, are just, they're at least like okay to, to good, like pretty much every year. Like yeah. there's a year or two where one will be bad. Um, but for the most part, yeah. Then and I mean the Bengals were kind of hanging around as that that second wild card spot for a while, but yeah, that's just those. It's such a disparity between the sort of unbelievable consistency between 
the top two teams in in the AFC North and the and the bottom two. It's it's fascinating, and I guess consistency. I mean, you can't say the Bengals aren't consistent, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're consistently mediocre and consistently find hilarious ways to lose playoff games, like throwing flags and throwing punches <laughs> at guys in that Steelers game, and yeah, like ah oh, man, it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna right. miss him. I'm gonna miss Marv. Right, yeah. By the way, I just want to say I really hated the new. Which is what's if that wasn't clear, that's what spawned all of that. <laughs> <laughs> you hated the new Star Wars. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. Okay. Um, I I haven't seen any of the new ones yet, and it's not like that I'm against them. Like I like. Right. I, I'm sure I might like them. I don't know, but like I just I don't. That's, that's, I'm afraid I can't. I can't have an intelligent discussion about this. I'm sorry. No, it's fair. I just, <laughs> I just need, I just need to vent for a second. And, and it's funny though, as I, as I put on Twitter, uh, they have the reverse Justice League Rotten Tomato score. Um, okay. Ninety percent of critics liked it, and like fifty-five percent of audiences liked it. Okay. And uh, Justice League sort of had the reverse of that, where they have like a forty-some percent critic favorability and a like 85% audience favorability. So I just, hmm. I just, so I, I'm not alone in, in, in my thinking. They basically, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't need to give you an entire plot rundown, but they chose a, the, a big point of the movie is basically to quote unquote, subvert all of your, you know, what you knew about the characters or how characters acted in previous movies and kind of having them act completely differently and it was just it's just bad and it made me sad. like i was sad i was sad when it was over cause they, why because, like I, okay. I read a, so, i read one thing that you wrote a little bit you know on facebook or twitter or something i i see stuff and it popped up and it was like uh you, they turned like luke skywalker into a coward yeah so basically the story is the darth vader of this trilogy is han and leia's son um okay and Luke was training him. He sensed that there was dark side in him. And in the first movie, in, in The Force Awakens from a couple years ago, all, all that's revealed is that Luke was training him to be a Jedi and Kylo turned on him. And, the, and then Luke disappeared. It, it's, it's said in that movie that he left to go find like the original Jedi temple and theoretically to like train or to figure out a way to stop him and, and the new Emperor guy. Mm. And... and theoretically wait for this character ray who becomes you know the the jedi of of this current generation mm. and that that's sort of how it's framed and so like the last shot of the force awakens is this female ray who's suddenly found out that she has force powers she finds luke she gives and she holds out uh, his original lightsaber which she found mm. and that's like the final shot and so at the start of this movie they show Luke taking the lightsaber from it, and he immediately pitches it off a cliff behind him. <laughs> and and instead, and unlike in in the Force Awakens, where they had said that he had left to train or to find his original Jedi texts or whatever, uh, he, he told he straight up says, "I failed, I failed uh, Han and Leia's kid, and so I came here to die. I came here to run away oh. and die." Whoa, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes. And then, so he's just sort of like the, and the idea is, uh, you know, and, and eventually he sort of kind of comes back to save the day, but not really at the end. And so it's like, it's just it's Luke Skywalker, who the character, if you've seen the original movies, 
is the eternal optimist who, you know, despite all these terrible things happening, at, you know, in Return of the Jedi, he still is going to try to save his dad. Like his dad is the most evil man in the galaxy, but man, he's going to try to, you know, to make him a good guy again. And he's just like, well, I thought that Han and Leia's kid was evil, so I tried to kill him. And when that didn't work, uh, and he beat me up, I ran away to die. <laughs> I ran away to hide on this island and die alone. Ugh. And, Ugh. and so the huh. idea, and like, there's a very big theme of like, don't meet your heroes and, you know, legends are legends for a reason and that they're not maybe so great when you hold the magnifying glass up to them and, you know, don't have false idols. Like I, I, like I, that's the thing because a lot of the, dismissal of criticism was you didn't get it right you didn't get what they were doing it's like no i got what they were doing the whole theme of the movie is sort of an out with the old and with the new thing and a you know (laughs) no single person can turn the tide of a war or a battle and there's also like a weird subplot where some of the newer characters go off to find a code breaker and so they go to this like casino planet and there's like this weird tacked on message about war profiteering. And it's just, Ugh. it's just, it's bad, man. Like, it's like, like, shouldn't, shouldn't all of these movies. And like, I love superheroes, not, probably not as much as you do, but I love right. those stories. And like these stories should be so easy to tell. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. good versus evil. How do you, right. and it's it kind of depends it you know there there's nuance there and how exactly you want to tackle it and yes you can you can make social commentary and take other, you know do other things with the story that are big but at its root it's good versus evil and it's just whether you, do you want it to be kind of darker or a little bit lighter tone <laughs> right there's i mean the, the overall theory should be that it's you know, I mean, it's literally called the dark side and the light side of the force. <laughs> it's it's optimism versus pessimism. It's right. it's right as you mentioned. It's good guys and bad guys fighting. You know, it's space wizards fighting each other with laser swords. It's it's right? <laughs> it should be very simple. And they and like uh, it was obviously that was the idea was that you take all of that and you swerve and it's just you got to sw- you swerve on them repeatedly. So there's a lot of bits either from the original trilogy or in fact, even stuff that was set up in the first of the new movies that is almost immediately thrown out or changed or it's just, (laughs) yeah, I just, I hated it. And it's, and things again, I don't want to rain on anybody. And I thought, I thought I was going to be like the only person that hated this movie. (laughs) Right. So it made me feel good that like a lot of other people, seem to to have uh have a similar opinion especially people that were that have been fans of the franchise that it's one thing if you do also it's one thing to do a like a an elseworld story like you can do that in comic books like the dark knight returns right or watchmen where you look you know you kind of hold the magnifying glass up to the you know to the real world you know what would these superheroes be like but right. for you know the main continuity batman and superman are not dicks who hate each other right. they're i mean they're they're friends and they and, and they go about things in a different way and they're they have different personalities and batman is a more grim character but he's still there's a sense of hope there's a sense of goodness to him and 
so to me, it's like if you want to have a conversation about, you know, Luke Skywalker as an old man and who's a dick who ran away, like, like do that in like a comic book or like a novel. Like, <laughs> give don't make it canon. Right, don't make it main continuity. Luke ran away, and then by the time he like got his head back on straight, it was really too late for him to do anything. Like. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds exceedingly unpleasant. Yeah, and then the one like original character uh, that's from the original trilogy that still that was kept alive is Princess Leia, and Carrie Fisher died. So it's very depressing all the way around. Right. Uh... So it's just kind of a bummer. <laughs> well, sorry, it ruined your Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I, I felt a little better once I talked to some other people that were also big Star Wars fans that felt the same way. Yeah. Because um, it's not fun being... At least, I, I know a lot of people have fun being the guy who shits on the popular thing. Right. But I don't I don't have fun doing that. I don't think it's a, like a... <laughs> it's not fun for me to be like, no, no, everyone is wrong and I'm the only one that's right. I don't, I don't like that, so... It was, Mm. That sort of softened the blow, but then, but then like you know, TNT was showing the original movies all weekend. Watching uh, this, I'm like, oh, there's like, there's like the scene of Luke standing looking at the two sons, and it's like this thing of this this you know young farm boy looking for something more. I'm like, that guy dies by, by himself on an island planet because, uh, because he tried to kill his nephew, and then he ran away when it didn't work. Jeez. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm more frightened of is that it might have tainted my ability to watch the originals. <laughs> right. I think right. I just got to give it some time. I think I just got to get away from <laughs> Star Wars for at least a year or so, and uh, we'll revisit at some point. But uh, regroup. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it uh, in the short term at least has 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 ruined my life. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I'm very sorry. Yes. To hear that. <laughs> <sighs> All right, brother. All right. On that note, uh... I try to keep on keeping on.